Off the Ball with thanks to Ford. Soon to be making its first appearance of the season, the all-new Ford Mondeo. Ford, go further. All right, you're very welcome back this Friday evening. Brian O'Driscoll is with us in the studio. Brian, very good evening to you. Good to be back. The uh, first two games of uh, Leinster and Munster so far gone quite well in the European Champions Cup. Ulster, like, dead man walking, really. Yeah, it's, it's not a good place where you're looking at um, trying to work out the best case scenario after two rounds. No. Um, that's really a job for, for Pool 5. I'm wondering, oh, well, on the next weekend, if this goes that way or this goes this way, then we have a chance. Yeah. But like when you've got four lots of games still to go, it's not a good place. Think, we just get know, that bonus point win in too long, that'd be grand. <laughs> exactly, then we're on to a flyer. The only hope they have. Like, yeah, they can, they can get to 21, you know, but... <laughs> yeah. Are they? Probably not. No. Uh, any particular specific reason for that or like uh, this ridiculous thing about being in transition that uh, it turns out every team is at the moment in Ireland, they're feeling it the worst? Um, I don't know. Obviously, it didn't help with Anscombe going and Humps, uh, Dave, uh, David Humphreys going during the uh, summer. That is gonna that's gonna affect any team. But at the same time, Les Kiss came in and they were, you know, they were really talking him up. I think you know they were waxing lyrically about how great he was yeah. and you know loving his stuff, and obviously so much so that he's coming on after the World Cup in, in uh, 2015. But um. You know, that's the, the cruelty of, of Europe that, you know, you lose your first game in a tough counter again to, to Leicester away and then you play the current holders, Toulon. And it's a very tough group, you know. Is it's that, rotten. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's a such a tough. And Scarlets mightn't, you know, people might have thought, oh, Scarlets, there's no way they're going to win it. But they'll be tough at home yeah. as they were against Leicester. And that's that you gone if you and don't you're like, it's You're two games in and literally... Just it's mathematically you can qualify, but that's it, and it's horrible that you're talking that way. It turns out that just about Munster and Leinster could withstand the slew of injuries that they both had, but once Ruan Pinar was gone, like he's so brilliant. Yeah, he's huge for them. I have to say, um, I was surprised at how good he's been. I thought he was a high veld, you know, fast track, yeah. you know, son on the son on his back sort of player. Um, but he has been absolutely magical for them. Just controlled things so well. Made most of his tackles, albeit he doesn't love them. Yeah. Uh, made most of them when he's needed to. Uh, and just marshaled them around the place. Um, excuse the pun for the player that's now taking over from him. But <laughs> I didn't he's, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's doing... Uh, well, he, he was do, he's done a fantastic job. Last. Is he three seasons there? And yeah. He's just been, so, it, he's been the best, best uh, purchase for them. Looking at him, it looks like he's got a cockiness that is kind of infectious. And I don't even know, it, certainly listening to him speak, you wouldn't call him cocky. Maybe it's just the head up, the fact that he plays with, it's, it's so visible. He probably knows he's good. There's, there's no doubt. I don't know him personally, but I, from what I've heard, he's a very quiet, unassuming guy. So I don't know. I think that I'm going to put that down to a confidence rather than an arrogance. Yeah. Um, about his ability because he just backs himself and most rugby players back, him, back themselves but he has real reason to back himself. And if you take that out of a team like Ulster then suddenly doubt creeps in. And it's, it's not it's not necessarily a flexion of Marshall specifically. No, but it, like when you're no, no disrespect to Marshall but when you're comparing him to Pinar it is, there's a, a golfing class. There, there simply is. And um, he, it just shows how important he has been to them the last, the last few years of getting them to the Heineken final a few years ago and Putting them in the hunt, they've been in the Ra- they were in the Rabo semi last year, the Rabo final the year before, yeah. and it's been his boot and his control of the game of just making 
really good decisions at key times. Yeah. The other thing about his boot is that it takes the pressure off Paddy Jackson so he can concentrate on just playing as opposed to kicking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's definitely talk about Leinster and Munster though. We'll start with Munster. Um, the performance, uh, what did Conor Murray say that you were reading out to us today? That he was he found it boring? Well, he's actually bored on the field. <laughs> Um, playing for Munster a Munster player this is, this is what he says we played in the right areas and got our rewards it's what we worked on it means a lot of kicking and it's kind of boring but you can't get bored you've got to put the ball into the right areas of the pitch that sounds like a guy trying to convince himself <laughs> yeah. that he's not bored yeah <laughs> why would even boredom even enter your head in the middle of a Champions Cup game but look this this is my opinion and there's obviously different styles of rugby different styles of football like you've got Stoke at the Britannia knocking it long all the time. But like that Munster style, it's not pleasing on the eye to me. And it's obviously not pleasing for Conor Murray on the field either. <laughs> um, I don't know whether it's off the back of, obviously the brand that they would have played last year and the previous year, maybe a little bit of the brand that Ireland would have played in the Six Nations this year. Um, they're they're ta- going back to Munster of old a little bit. Yeah. And but pe- people complained about them going away from that. You know, playing we're playing away from our strengths. We're playing this wide, wide pattern. Why are we doing that? If you, you if you call it as you see it, it, it's two wins from two in Europe. So it, yeah, it's not gorgeous to watch at times, but it's effective. And you you do. I would say that some of the stuff they played in Sale um, was very effective. Again, it wasn't gorgeous, but the conditions in Thoman did dictate to not being able to play an yeah. expansive brand. So I'd let them off that one. In Sale, it was perfect conditions or what looked to be perfect conditions and they still went for the brute force. I just feel that when they come up against the really big, strong teams in Europe, the Toulons, that they're going to have to have more to their game than, than they have shown thus far. If you're a new coach coming in, and it's not really a new coach, I suppose, because there's definitely been that connection there for the while previous. There is a... a an immediate sense, right, we're going to start winning games, we're going to get confidence and then try and build the rest of the stuff. That's definitely the, the approach that I can see being the most successful. The other approach is, no, this is my philosophy, win, lose or draw, we're going to always try and play and, and take risks. And one is pragmatic and practical and the other is like, hey, uh, we live in Nirvana. It's a results-based business, you know, and and it's about about achieving them. And in fairness to them, in the Leinster game, I thought they played some really good stuff. They attacked the line. They tried to get balls, uh, offload balls in behind the tackle. Um, it was a co- bit of a continuity game. They really, we talked before about it, they really muddied the rook. And I think that's one area that they've massively targeted this year, being that monster of old, of yeah. being a nightmare in the rook, of back-ending rooks, whether, you know, when tackler getting up and, and going again and making a use of themselves and trying to slow ball down. And, I, like, I thought that was so evident in uh, in Thoman on Friday night. Yeah, so I would say... We were having an argument about this today before you came in about... And I did say when they come up against the pack like Toulon that they're going to suffer. And Brian <laughs> just actually said the very same thing. I was saying... The, very proud of So that. far, you've got to say, is it, <laughs> it's a pretty good coaching job. Cause it is. You know, he's... Yeah. Um, well, they, they're top You've changed your tune. No, no. Four. What, what's it like to play as a second centre, you know, when tactics like that are being implied? Like, it must be demoralising, though. Do you know what? I was... Uh, because there was a lot of pressure on um, Hurley and Smith for their defensive... Um, game against Sale, particularly the first half, and I kind of kept a keen eye on them at the weekend, and I couldn't really say anything about them afterwards. They played solid. Yeah, they didn't do a whole lot wrong, but they they had no ball. No, they had no ball, and it wouldn't. It's not great fun ch- chasing kicks, um, and sometimes you have to roll the sleeves up. Yeah, but they 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 didn't really look as though they were going to be trying to shift it to to the outside channels at any stage of the weekend, and maybe that was their game plan yeah. and maybe they're playing the conditions a bit but 
it, it was it's interesting saying that I, I you know as an outside center you you do want to get your hands on the ball and they didn't seem to get that many touches yeah is that just something that will come I mean obviously it has to come at some point because they, this game plan isn't going to win the European Cup this season or next season yeah how many games are we in uh, eight seven yeah um like they're still Anthony is still relatively in his infancy as head coach so yeah. I'm sure he's trying to grow different types parts of their game as well he, he's a shrewd operator I know that about Axel um, you know, he, he did some defensive stuff with Ireland uh, in Declan Kidney's tenure and um, I just know that he, he thinks well in, in aspects of the game and, he, and he'll play the game to the strengths of his team as well and yeah. And I would definitely say that that's his back row and, and his pack at the moment and his half back and they're playing that way. Yeah, and they're definitely missing players too that might be able to influence the game a little bit more and they think that they can get the ball in those hands later on in the season that might be a bit more of an option for them too. Yeah, but but I, I think you look at uh, you look at that back row and that back row is playing really well. I thought Tommy O'Donnell was really good at the yeah. weekend. Uh, Standers playing really well. Pete is back, captaining things. Paulie is, is captaining things as yeah. well. Um, Foley's coming really good they've got all that front row that you don't know who you're going to pick like there's your strength Keatley's been a little bit mixed obviously people I think he's been good but he's not kicked brilliantly and that's probably held him back a fraction and then the wingers both um, Conway and Zebes have been looking busy trying to get action albeit it's not going to get out to them if they stay on their wings so they've been getting in around the rook yeah um, always interesting to see the wingers in around the rook as well let's talk Leinster because um, Leinster not quite playing uh, if Munster have gone back to a very traditional Munster style and Leinster not playing the traditional Leinster style at the moment but again effective away in France um, three line breaks in the entire game two of them from Redden yeah they, they, do you know what they seem to be holding on to possession for long periods but not doing a whole lot with it and then they kind of they it's almost they get bored of having had eight or ten phases and then they realise, oh, we better kick to get ourselves out of here. I think they are really, really missing uh, their ball carriers. I really think um, Sean O'Brien and and Keen Healy have been huge loss. And that's why this week I'm really interested to see Ben Teal. Uh, I think he's going to bring that dynamic that they need, that go forward. And it's so much easier playing off front, fall, front football when you're... When you're Pack is carrying and they're hitting, being hit on the gain line and not getting over it. Yeah. Just the knock-on effect of that is not being able. Is, is defenses are on the front foot, and you're not on the front foot. So it's um, it'll be a real, it'll be a real interesting game tonight to see how he adapts. And obviously, a guy that's not played a whole lot of union, but yeah. he's, he's got this offloading game and he's a unit. People know he's coming at him at them, but try and stop him. That's that's the, that's the trick. It's like South Africa. You know what they're, they're what they're doing. But try and stop us. Yeah. Uh, what's that actually like when there is somebody three times your size trundling straight towards you? Not nice. Um, <laughs> like we, we talked a bit about uh, Bastro earlier on and for me he's undefendable. He is... Um, how do you how do you stop him? And I remember the first ball last uh, in, against France in the Six Nations this year. I left him one-on-one with Dars and he didn't even need to say anything to, to me afterwards. He just gave me the stare. It's like, <laughs> how could you do that to me? Um, which was... You know, totally justified. So he, he, you just have to double team him, and you're probably looking at just grabbing one leg. Like it's not realistic to get your arms around two, two of those legs. Uh, sorry, does the dynamic of the backline change then, though, when you've got this strike kind of runner at second centre rather than yourself, who'd be more creative? Like the wingers must have to change their game. It does because you know it's someone like, um, like a Bastro that he's he's going to be looking for contact, but his 
beauty is he's he's got the skills to be able to get the ball out the back door. So they have to. So then wingers and fullbacks and trail runners have to identify that that's their line rather than waiting out on their wing for the ball to get out to them because yeah. they'll be waiting all day to pick their lines. And when they see him going to contact, you know, run to where he is because he's not going to throw a five meter offload. It's yeah. going to be just popped out of the tackle. So that's how players have to adapt to understanding the players around them. Yeah, when um, when you're talking about double teaming, I mean, does that mean getting there immediately he gets the ball? Because if I imagine the every extra yard of momentum that he gets, it's kind of a massive multiplier of force. Yeah, it's it's one low, one high. So th- the thing is, if you if you, if you're going to commit two players to to one person, you have to stop the offload. Yeah. So it's one guy try and slow him down or stop, and the other guy just make sure that he's not getting something something out of the tackle because if you know, that's the it. That's simple the numbers game is that if two guys have gone to one, yeah. there's going to be someone spare. So um, yeah, you, you know that's and sometimes it, it takes three. But if you if you have three on one and stop the ball, fine. You can slow the rook down. You can back end that rook. Um, but if he gets it away, then you're in extra trouble. That, that, that's it, screwed. Um, Luke Fitzgerald is back playing tonight, and I think there was about five guys coming back from quite serious injury for Leinster this week. And you're looking at those names and thinking, right, that's actually five internationals to a team who've just come out the side of winning two games in the Champions Cup. Does that, when that happens, does that give the players who filled in a bit of confidence that actually there is a bit of strength and depth in the squad? Yeah, like in everything that we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the about. Munster not playing this fantastic brand or Leinster not playing great. We've got, you know, it's, it's two wins from two. Yeah. And that is ultimately what it's about, particularly now. Um, you know, we could imagine we were talking about, you know, three teams, three of the of the Irish provinces in Ulster's predicament, you know, with with no Europe to look forward yeah. to. So let's, let's not lose sight of that. Let's not lose sight of the fact that they're actually, they're in an okay place. They're not, neither of them are playing magnificently but they're still winning. And it's nice to win ugly in, in, in October, knowing that you have a chance to play yourself into form for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's the important thing, really, isn't it? That, yeah. And it, There's no the thing, panicking the, in October. The thing, the thing about Leinster... Only when you're losing. Leinster never really set fire all last year as well, though. You know, So you're coming into a new season not setting fire again. So you're wondering, when is this going to click? Yeah, but Leinster won the Pro 12 yeah, um, well, that's by, true. by never being on fire. So I don't know whether that's indictment of the Pro 12 or, or, or what. Um, you know, to be able to win it with reasonable performances they rather played, than anything they exceptional. They played really well in the final, actually. That yeah. was kind of the best best performance of the year. If from eight minutes on, they played really <laughs> well in the final. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it was um, probably one of the best. Northampton away obviously stands out. Yeah. Um, and there was another one. I know it was Treviso away, but it was Treviso when they were okay. And none of the internationals were playing. and So they were really the three performances, but they still won. And everyone's giving um, Matt O'Connor the stick of, oh, I don't know, he's no Joe Schmidt or, you know, Michael Cech. He won the league the first year that he was there. You know, granted, we, you know, Leinster got knocked out in the in the quarterfinal to a Toulon side that went on and yeah, pretty much obliterated everyone. Um, so... Yeah, I, I just think it's all, it's we all, need to be realists. It's all your fault, though, because you guys set that standard. Like, yeah. you, you, you know, and I suppose the guys and that are there thing. have to have to. You know, they're they're answering all those questions. I look at the stuff that I I feel sorry for Ben Teo having to deal with that stuff that he's he's been asked during the week about uh, about wearing thirteen and 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 Lancer. And he's right; he brings a completely different skill set. Yeah, um, than anyone that's been there before because he's it, a giant and <laughs> he's um, he's going to 
dominate things physically. It's also good maybe that it isn't somebody who has uh, baggage of being around and kind of understanding that this, you know, it's you they're replacing. He's like, yeah, whatever, this is just a job for me now. Yeah, and, and he, he's he got it in one. Matt, Matt didn't bring him over to, to replace anyone. Brought him over because he thought he could do a really good job for him. And I I, I can't wait to see him. I think he's I think he's going to be good. Um, provided he can adapt to the speed of of Union, it's it's a different type of fitness because um, in in league you you can take breathers. Yeah. You can find yourself in a position where you get out to the wing and take a breather. Whereas some sometimes you're a sitting duck. If, if someone can come down your your channel three or four times in a row, and you just have to be able to have repeat efforts over and over. So it, that'll take a little bit of adjusting, but um, but don't judge him too soon. Give him a while to get up to the speed of that. Yeah, like he played his first game of Union in ten years, was it last week? Yeah, yeah maybe give him two or three. <laughs> yeah, of course there'll be a knee jerk out there. I'm, I'm guaranteeing it, but uh, none here. Hopefully, right. The other thing that we want to talk about is Ireland camp. Um, <clears throat> we were just thinking about this so everybody's going into Ireland camp maybe last week and then they stay together for five or six weeks um, it's a it's a very strange environment because you've got to live in each other's pockets and you've got to play together and you kind of need to over that period like most of the people um, yeah you, you do um, I, I would say that I'd have to think back a long time to to someone in a squad that I really did my level best to avoid. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. I don't think. The, I don't think that current squad possesses anyone that's. Um. That that type of char- character. I certainly don't think that Joe would have it. He'd be able to. He'd work it out pretty quickly. He's yeah. The, he's he's that on the ball that he'd realise someone was bad for the squad and and he just wouldn't have have that. Um, so I think you know the lads for the most part most part enjoy each other's company but there definitely to really, is, there is a lot of living in each other's pockets eating together um, obviously you're training together some guys are rooming together um, and yeah I think there's a big there's onus on the, the management to try and keep things fresh as well create activities um, let guys go home when they can um, you know even eating out can be you know just it's one less yeah. night sitting in the team hotel yeah. eating you know what Ruthwood Martin has put on uh, the nutritionist has put on which is still nice food but yeah. it does become a little bit Groundhog Day-ish by the time you get to week three or four in November Yeah Are are there cliques or is that something you try to avoid do you know or do certain lads always hang out together um, Yes some guys do hang out together for sure um, there, there's in every environment there's shyer guys that are going to hang out with the guys they're most comfortable with and particularly the newer guys in the squad aren't going to immediately start <laughs> hanging out with Paulie and yeah. uh, and Darce you know um, so yeah there's guys are comfortable with I remember um, the Lions tour in 01 you know I was being I was frightened and I just hung out with Raj because he was close to his age and he was Irish and I knew him and I didn't know anyone else so until you grow into a tour or you get to know guys over a period of time then you start hanging out and you, you know you look at you're not looking at the dinner table to see who's sitting there and you just pick the next chair I think that's when you realise you're comfortable Yeah Is there a point where it becomes uh, not just all rugby as well that actually you can kind of just relax and, and so this is the rugby portion of the day and then the rest of it is you're just being a person part of the day you can actually switch off a little bit You can a bit but Joe does like a meeting and um, he likes to, to cover lots of bases. And the thing about national camp is that it's such a short period of time that you do a little bit have to curtail what you're going to get across or cut your cloth a small bit. Yeah. Um, but I guess 
Joe doesn't like doing that so much, so he will he will expect the lads to be able to clue in for the X amount of meetings he has a day, and then he'll he'll go around into subunits and talk to guys individually and stuff. So he's always on. Yeah. And as a result, you know, you could be watching telly and you can get a tap on the shoulder and he'll have a quiet word, or you go over and Les Kiss will talk to you about a little bit of defensive stuff. And yeah. So this is happening in small units as well as the meeting stuff. So lots of work is being done throughout the day. It's just you're technically never off. Do you get any time off in the Oh yeah, the game? no, you'd you'd like listen, if you're not around the team room and you're off in, in your room watching a box set, you know, you're, Joe's you're not safe. gonna come up hammering <laughs> the door down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um no, there are times that you can get away from it, of course. Um and they're very mindful that you can't be on the whole time. But Joe, because he, you know, he is a perfectionist, um, he he does uh try and get as much information into people as possible and cover as many bases as he can. One of the other things we were talking about this week was uh, Roy Keane's interview in the Outpost, the the Outback, the the shortlist, the shortlist, the shortlist. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he was saying that um, they were asking him about initiation ceremonies and what song he would sing. He's like, no, I don't sing for anybody. But, uh, no, <laughs> no surprises there. No, none of this. Uh, is there is that part of the um, the Ireland setup? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to new caps, new caps. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that new or when when did that? No, come in? for as long as I can remember. I never knew that. No, uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, I would have been highly nervous as to what number <laughs> sure. I was going to, and then there'd be certain songs that would be banned. All oh, right, so so no like right on, no right on, <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Um, and then I remember who they started right doing on? them. For, they started doing them for the other halves as well. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember my missus uh, having to do it, and I think she sang like the home and away song. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was. It got ridiculous, obviously. With them. And, what did you sing? Um, City of Chicago, maybe. I don't know it. The Christie number. Yeah, oh, no, okay. It's, uh, it's Christy Moore, right? When I say I don't know it, you're not supposed to go. Yeah, and then I go. You, you give us an L blast there. That was the. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to do that. <laughs> I was clearing my throat. I see Paddy Jackson and Zebo doing those rapping stuff. Yeah, I'd say yeah, their yeah. their initiation songs are sweet. Yeah, but like it's trying to get the microphone off. <laughs> <laughs> they were volunteering for it. All right, five three one zero six is the text number. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us as well at Off the Wall. We're going to talk about Michael Checa with Matt Williams. Um, obviously, Checa is back in this part of the world. His first game is going to be tomorrow against the Barbarians. We're going to find out what kind of coach he is and a bit more about the backstory to how suddenly he's been thrust into the role of saviour for the Wallabies that's coming up after these Off the ball with thanks to Ford waiting on the sidelines and raring to go is the all new Ford Focus Ford go further Okay, so the Wallabies are obviously part of the November Internationals. We're going to be playing them in a couple of weeks' time and it'll be a familiar face, Michael Cheka, in charge of them. Um, what's Cheka actually like? Because, you know, over the years we would have had him in studio and he comes in and just lies back in the chair and he's really calm and kind of looks off into the distance and occasionally he'll deign to answer a question if he thinks, yeah, okay, this is all right, this, this is getting interesting enough for me now. Um, and we obviously never saw the kind of banging the door and breaking shit that uh, yeah. you guys saw. I, I loved Cheka. Um I thought he was great for us. I think he really shook things up. Um you can see his you can see the passion in in um it just that lies within him in what he wants to get across and it's every day. That's yeah. what that's the that's the big thing. He doesn't he didn't pick and choose his days to be really into it. It was every single day. 
and he could he could see a process um, in Leinster of coming and building something and he had this plan about year two when the, the Magners as it was then and year three Heineken and then it transpired it was three and four yeah and kind of shrugged you know shrugged his shoulders like oh, that was okay wasn't it yeah that but was acceptable he was, yeah he was great I really have to say I took an awful lot from him what was the he was a partnership as well with um, Noxie yeah what was his Mad as a brush. Right. Yeah. Noxie was really great for the first year, year and a half. And then he probably got a bit too crazy for, for us. He, he kind of, we kind of outgrew that side of things. But he used to do some really brilliant drills. Um, but we'd be, we'd, be, we'd be in a huddle and um, Chex would be talking to us after training. And Noxie would be off gathering balls and trying to land Gary Owens in the middle of us. And, you know, Chex would be like, don't mind that. an idiot. And uh, it just was, you're kind of going... Um, how are these two working together? Yeah, you know, and yet they got on great. But then in the end, it didn't, it didn't work out well for for Noxie and he headed home, and, and we got Alan Gaffney in, and um, and you know, Chex just had his own idea as to what way things were going to be run. Yeah, um, it sounds like Gaffney was kind of yin to the yang. Alan Gaffney seemed like the most gentle man that you would ever come across. Yeah, I never saw like the lads then a monster saw a different side to him as head coach because I only ever saw him as assistant coach under Matt Williams and then with Czech. So yeah. rarely did he yeah, did he lose it? Did he have a need to lose it? But I think he did it a little bit then a monster. So um yeah, he was probably uh yeah, I would say he was the the yang to 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 Czechs, but um the thing I really liked about Czechs is he had a um He'd, he'd an unbelievable way of motivating things and he never, like for five years of team talks and so you'd be sitting in the dressing room an hour and a half before kickoff and you'd just come in and everyone's starting to get, get ready and you have that last talk from him before you take control yourselves. Yeah. And it might only be five minutes but it was always brilliant and it was always inspiring and it always felt fresh and not many coaches are capable of delivering something new where you don't go, oh, here we go again. What kind of stuff was it? Is it like specific just spe- details? Yeah, specifics usually from the week, but then just the way, he's a smart man, obviously, and, and the way he verbalised it and the way he got his points across. And he didn't. He never went on. He never talked for the sake of talking, but it was, you know, the specifics were targeted at individuals and he'd earmark people for big performances and put the onus on them. Yeah. And I just, I thought it was as if he was empowering people. And, um... I, that was me. I think there was some of the younger lads in the academy probably felt that he was a bit harsh on them. Uh, I know one or two definitely did. Um, but th- maybe that was a bit of t- tough love that they needed too. Yeah, none of them ended up uh, doing badly in the rest of their career, I think. Mostly. No, no, they've survived. Yeah. And some of them have multiple caps for Ireland. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in some other way, maybe they should be hugely thankful. Um, just the the years three and four. So in year four, obviously, that's the year that you guys end up winning your first Heineken Cup. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier on because uh, it would have been very easy for maybe, say the Harlequins game is lost, check his career at that point looks like, oh, this amazingly gifted Leinster team didn't deliver. And, and the margins in sport are so weirdly defined by the trophy at the end of the season. They are. It, it's kind of wrong in some ways. Well, that's what I was wondering because you're a professional sports person who obviously sees this as a binary thing. Like mm. if we hadn't won that trophy, maybe you blame Checker, or maybe, you know, I don't know. Because like, it still seems like Checker would have been a brilliant coach. Yeah, and it's it's as much... So you, yeah, I think you always have to look on the games that you win rather than ones that you lose and you see the margins and don't go over the top on the wins unless it's really merited. So, um, you know... Obviously, it's, it's well documented. I have a lot of time for Joe, so anything that that the lads have said about that is fully um, 
it's fully um it it should, it's re- it's been received in the right way from him because because of what he delivered but in some cases there have been coaches that maybe a lot of the work was done in, in the past and then it culminated in a team going well in subsequent years yeah we talk around in circles there <laughs> uh read it as you will i guess so like Cheka would have been considered a success because then, you know, Joe would have come in and you would have won anyway. But I'm delighted for him that he does get that kind of credit for winning that trophy. Because He, he, he did because Joe wouldn't have been able to come in and win his two if Czechs hadn't done all the stuff in years one to three. Yeah. Before year four started, we were we were changing out of the backs of our cars. We'd no base. Um, we'd no dressing room and that was the thing that Leo Cullen and, and Shane Jennings said when they came over from Leicester it's like the dressing room is the hub of activity it's where everything happens it's where all the fun is all the slagging takes place and all the laughs and and the relationships um, are are kind of formed and we didn't have one yeah. so how, how are we building any of this all we, the only times we spend time together are team meetings or on buses going to and from training or to, to matches so um that was a big thing that we we got our base in in Riverview and in David Lloyd and you know we had the same pitch we'd go back and train on and every on every day even though it wasn't anything fancy and just the the consistency of that helped us yeah um, we do have Matt Williams on the line as well now, obviously, uh, who is familiar with all of that too, but also particularly familiar with Michael Cheka. And Matt, we're particularly interested in finding out he's arrived now as the coach of an Australia team that is laden with talent and uh, very capable of doing a lot of damage over the next 18 months in world rugby. Is, this the, is it actually in a weird way the right moment for Michael Cheka to be taking this group? Uh, Joe, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, if you consider just the last uh, six months or six weeks, really, under Ewan McKenzie, they should have beaten South Africa 2-0. They uh, beat them in Australia and had them uh, on the ropes for 70 minutes in Cape Town and let in a couple of late tries. They certainly should have drawn the series with New Zealand. They should have won that first test, um, should have won the third test and, and copped the hiding in, in Park, which won't be the... They're not the first and won't be the last Australian side to do that. So they should be coming out of that series with a win against Africa and a draw against New Zealand, which is, is very good, would be very good. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, uh, an event that uh, was, was minuscule, a wrong shirt on a plane has led to you and going and Michael coming in. Um, yeah, it is, it is good. I think it might be a bit early for Mike, Michael, and I think he's, he's a very capable man, as Brian said. And, you know, I coach Michael and, uh, and I, I, know him, I know him pretty well. Um, I think he's made a, a, an error in his contracts continuing to coach the Waratahs next year in the lead-up to a World, World Cup. But certainly uh, that, that Wallaby side has improved enormously in the 12 months since, uh, since they lost to the Lions. Matty, do you think that, um, that it's too early for him as a coach to take it or do you think it's too early for us to expect him to be able to do anything in next year's World Cup you know, in, with regard to Australian teams in general having high expectations of whatever they take part in achieving achieving success essentially and not not getting to finals but winning things so which is it is it that that he's come in too early and he should have waited for for a few more years experience or that you know from an australian perspective you know it's going to be too soon for him to be able to get you know get that holy grail of a world cup a, a bit of both tricky um you know yourself, it's a different game, international coaching and international 
uh, playing is very different to being in a club where you, you and I heard you just talking about uh, you know the growth of Leinster and from when I was there where it is now. You know, I, I often go back and just I'm in awe of seeing where the club is now. But but the, the beauty of club rugby is you have the players for a long time. As you said, you've got a change room, you've got this culture, you've, you've got time to develop teams, you've got all this. Michael signs a contract on Thursdays on the plane, Friday, and is playing a game. This, you know, literally seven days later. You don't have time with a team when you're an international coach, and it takes a different set of skills, a different set of structures. You know, we've seen Joe develop so well. Joe's such a smart guy. You know, but it still takes Joe 12 months to to get that adaption. It takes all of us 12 months, and that's certainly when you step up. It's the thing the old guys tell you. You know, this is going to be a change. The, the other part of it is is you know, for Australia, Australia needs Michael to come through. Rugby in Australia is in a very perilous state. And really what we've just seen is a bit of crisis management. So instead of having a really fine coach like Michael, where we, we nurture him and mature him and bring him through so that we know, look, the next 10, 8, 10 years of Australian rugby is, is in pretty capable hands. We've got you and Mackenzie. We've got a very good um, succession plan passing on to Michael. All of a sudden we've been in crisis again. You know, the, the financial uh, part of Australian rugby is in massive crisis. They put it out an announcement that they could be literally, uh, they could be uh, unfinancial this season. So all that added up means there's pressure on Michael. He's still coaching the Waratahs. And, and, and it's, it's just like being in Ireland. You imagine Joe coaching Ireland, but still coaching Leinster. You, you get all this perceived bias. Now, it wouldn't be there. It's not there. And, the, and guys are at the professional level now. Coaches want to win. They're going to pick the best team. But there's a perception. And so Michael, the perception about Michael at the beginning of his career is he's going to, from all the rest of Australia, is that he's going to uh, favour the Waratahs. And that's not good for him and it's not good for our rugby. I have to say, Matt, though, that if, you know, if Joe was coaching Ireland and Munster at the same time and I was in Leinster, Connacht or Ulster, I don't know if I'd be delighted. So as much as, you know, they're... You know, players are professional. Sure. There's definitely that concern that, you know, he's seeing his skill set day in, day out. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to be on the back foot. Uh, absolutely, Brian. And you're saying he's playing a style. He, you know, his style of rugby he wants to bring to the to the national team, and we're not playing that. Mm. Um, all those all those issues are are real issues. Um, and now, now, having said all of that. Um, you had done a very good job with that team. And they're, as I said, they're in a pretty good space. Now, I expect they'll I'll go pretty close to winning all their games in, in Europe, um, depending on injury. And then they're in a lot better place this year with injury than they were last year, uh, except for the hooker role where we, we've lost a number of hookers. But they're in a pretty reasonable position. Um, there's certainly the side that picked this week for the barbarians. I mean, you could just see Michael giving all that second tier, the vast majority of his second tier run. Will Genya and Quade Cooper reunited, which they haven't been for 12 months. So there's a, there's a number of players even coming back of the calibre of Cooper and Genya that, that Ewan didn't have at his disposal. So the, the, Michael has also got that in the short term, a pretty good thing in the short term. What is his style of play? When, when he was at Leinster, was it a specific, this is how we're going to play all the time forever? No, it wasn't unbelievably structured. I think he gave scope to his to his ten and his and his and his halfback to play what they saw. Yeah, um, but it was definitely confrontational. It was you know you can, it's very hard to win games if you're not 
if you're not confrontational and you're not looking at being collision winners, whether you have it or don't have the ball. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing that he, he brought initially to us. It was like, right, we're going to be animals. Pretty exciting, to, I'd say, the first time that you kind of... You're oh, honestly, because I, I said to I said to Michael, I was out of contract at the end of, of his first year and I said to him, St. Jack's, you know, we've been, we've had four coaches in four years um, and there's no there's no continuity here. I really need to win some things. So essentially, you know, I'm giving it a year to yeah. see see what you know where we if we can go somewhere. And within three months, and I wasn't even I, I was rehabbing back, and within three months, just seeing the setup, seeing the environment that he created, uh, I just thought, okay, this is definitely this is going somewhere. And when we got to a semi final Europe, you. Know, which certainly wasn't expected at the start of the year. Yeah, and has he been the same um, coaching in Australia as well, Matt? That it is that kind of confrontational style, allied to the the, the freedom for his creative players to be creative. Uh, I mean, rugby in the super in super rugby is very confrontational anyway. Certainly, you wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that's been noticeable. Um, the thing that's been noticeable for Michael uh, is that he he sort of taken New South Wales back to our traditional way of playing and, and the way Leinster play, which is running rugby. Uh, and, and as Brian said, you know, empowering a nine and ten to uh, to play what's in front of them and to, to be aggressive and, and open and, and, and give them a bit of freedom. And uh, that certainly pleased the Australian crowd. Um, he's certainly also been able to do exactly what Brian said, is that get very good players like his Ralph Falau to believe that there's a future at, at the club that he's coaching, and therefore he's attracted a number of players and recruited uh, within Australia particularly well. Now you can't recruit uh, at international level, so that's you know, you're either Australian or you're not. Now, because if you're a Kiwi, you can always bring in some of those Samoan, Fijians, oh, yeah. <laughs> and claim them. You know, you could get one or two. You come on a holiday, did you? You know. Although they start, used to say in Scotland, if you know, if, you, if your grandfather liked a whiskey, you were Scottish. So there was a few of them got in there in Scotland as well. But it, it's also, um, I think, what Michael, he's just a, a really straight shooter. He's really blunt. And even the way Michael speaks is almost confrontational in some ways. And when you're winning, you say that's really, really um, direct. And when you're losing, they call you arrogant. So he, he's, he's just got to run the gauntlet now that, that, we, that every coach has to, has to run, and that if, if they're successful, he'll be fine, like Ewan McKenzie and Robbie Dean were at the beginning. And if they're not, he'll be in trouble. And and in particular in Australia, that causes massive pressure on the team, and uh, it's not a, not a nice thing. So, for the good of the game, I hope that 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 he can keep that same uh, energy and ethos that Brian just described. That he he certainly developed in the Waratahs. I hope he can keep that going. Great stuff. Great to have you with us again, Matt. Thanks a million for talking to us. Pleasure, guys. Nice to talk to you. Matt Williams there uh, giving us some insight into uh, the situation in Australia. Um, Bentea's gone off with an arm injury after 15, 20 minutes of the game tonight. So um, hopefully it's nothing too serious. Uh, Leinster leading 12-0. He hurt his left arm in a tackle, I'm being told. Um, so that's uh, it's just more bad luck. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. They didn't need that. They didn't need that. I, yeah, not even getting a chance to, to uh, you know, see what, what effect he can have. Uh, let's hope. For everyone's sake, including Ben Teo's, that uh, 
but it's just a, a soft tissue injury. He's going to say where I started with an arm injury as well. And that all ended up pretty well. He turned be out to be one of the greatest. He was able to churn out five years like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> uh, one final point about um, checks. The way Matt's talking about those, uh, it started with Robbie Deans and started with you, McKenzie. The um, job seems to be destined for failure almost no matter who you are in Australian rugby, pretty much unless you win the World Cup. That that is the case, um, or it does appear to be the case. Such are their high expectations, and that is a testament to the nation in a way um, <laughs> that they they do demand to yeah. win things. Um, albeit, again, you know that they're that's only the third or fourth choice um, sport in 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 Australia. So, um, yeah, it it you look at that team and it is very very talented, and if they can get playing a brand that you know Michael Cech is capable of getting teams playing well then they they're can win World trouble. Cups yeah. yeah they're in a pig of a group as well so plenty of good games to look forward to um, David Kelly and Castle Knock correctly identified tonight's mystery voice no one beat monster beat you know who that is I have an idea not to be Foley he wins a free team entry to the Red Bull cool 5 men's winter league as well as 10 jerseys for a team for more information and details on how to register your team check out redbull.ie forward slash cool 5 thanks very much Brian enjoy the late late show tonight thank you